0: You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. So as you probably know, there are three primary colors. I'm going to test your uh, third grade art knowledge and see if you can name them. What are the three primary colors? Give me one. That was all three of them at the same time. Good job. Red. Yellow, blue, right? Am I right? If I could, I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, it doesn't change what I'm about to say, but it makes me just kind of stupid. Um, red, yellow, blue. Now, the cool thing about color is that all color kind of is derived by some mixing of these three colors, right? Or excluding of something, and. I mean, there's science behind it that I don't really understand. Like, I don't really understand where black comes from. I, f- I found this one article. Like, I, I Googled, where does the color black come from? How do you create the color black? And people were like, you can mix equal amounts of red, green, red, yellow, and blue, and you'll get something that looks like black. I'm like, that doesn't answer my question. Now, it's not exactly black. I don't know exactly how white exists. But, but let's just say on a very elementary level, there are three primary colors. Now, I'm getting into something here because here, here's something that's really cool. Every piece of art... Every, uh, all your clothes coloring, this is all made out of dyes, like there's not like a naturally occurring denim tree in nature, like some, someone made this blue color, like all the colors that you see basically comes out of these three primary colors, red, yellow, blue. In fact, I, I want to show you a couple of images. Let's look at this first picture. You recognize this? Who's that? That's Mona Lisa. At Mona Lisa, it's an amazing image of, uh, it painted long, long time ago, like is she happy? Is she sad? There's all kind of mystery behind it. Created using, essentially, the three primary colors. Look what that's what you're capable of. With just three simple colors, and then boom. Uh, check out this one. This is a, a a little bit of a different one. This is called the persistence of memory. Um, anybody a fan of Salvador Dali? Uh, man, that guy was weird. Like he's like if you see some of the animals he painted with like 14 kneecaps, it's crazy. Um, but this is a kind of it's often emulated picture. Actually, stuff melted and time is is I don't know fragile and it melts. I don't know exactly where he was. He was probably. Smoking something, but um, this is this is a this is a painting very and created how primarily with three primary colors, primarily completely with the three primary colors. Let's look at this next one. This is called American Gothic. Uh, I didn't actually know who had painted this, uh, I had to look it up. It got him Grant Wood, and this is this is one that's often also uh, imitated and people have funny spoofs of it. But this class what created with what three primary colors, masters. Can take these three primary colors and turn them into these beautiful pieces of art. This is one of my favorites. This is called Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. You recognize that? Um, good, back there, recognize it. This is Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh, and I love it. It's just a wonderful piece of water, uh, of uh, of uh, oil painting, and just the depth and 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 um, the technique he used is very unique to him. If you follow Van Gogh, just that kind of thick, chunky painting. It wasn't smooth. It wasn't realistic. It was a little bit abstract. Painted with three primary colors. Now, I want to use this image to kind of uh, illustrate something. We got the lights down on purpose because I want to show you something. There are three primary colors. They are uh, red, yellow, blue. Let's say for a second that Vincent van Gogh only had access to one of those primary colors. Let's say the only thing he could paint with was red. What would Starry Night look like? Let's take a look at what it might look like if we took out, we digitally removed all the yellows and all the blues, and this is what you're left with. What do you see? Basically, red, yeah, but basically the same image, right? You see this kind of spire thing here. You see the little church steeple and the little village. Is it essentially the same image? Is it? Yeah, it's essentially the same image. But is it as beautiful? No, not at all. Is it as artistically creative? Not at all. Now, let's put those back together. Put all the colors in. When you add the other two colors, wow, look at the difference. Let's go back and forth one more time. Go to the red. That's just one color. And you could do this also with just with just yellow or with just blue. But I want to make this point by just looking at it. only one color. Now add it back in. Here's the thing. Uh, we can bring the lights back up. When you take the three primary colors and apply them together in harmony with one another, you can create this beautiful piece of art. Standing alone, any one of the colors is capable of producing art. Am I right? I mean, that, that red thing was pretty cool. And there's some artists who, they challenge themselves. Let me just limit myself to one color and paint. But man, all three and you create something entirely unique and beautiful. Um, I started with a little art today because we're starting this new teaching series called Art of Love. And uh, what we're going to be looking at is what does it mean to share God's love with someone? I wanted to talk about the three primary colors because what I want to do over the next three week, weeks is give us kind of a visual that can stick with us uh, for three weeks or hopefully even longer to show us Maybe there is something to these three primary colors that we could apply in sharing God's love with the people in our life. Um, here, here's something that I believe. I believe that the world is hurting. I believe that people are in pain. Not physical pain only, but spiritual pain, emotional pain. I believe that there are broken families. I believe there are people who are looking for an answer. Other people are lost in addiction. And they just can't get out of it. And I believe at the bottom of all that mess, there's people just going, I just want love. It might seem so simple. But I'm telling you, time after time after time, I've seen it true, that when someone can come into contact with true, genuine love of God, it can absolutely change their life. I also believe that God has a plan for dealing with that hurt and that pain and that brokenness. And this is the most exciting part. I believe that part of God's plan is people like you and me. People like you and me who can actually get in there and do something about it. I think that God has a plan for ordinary people to come in and take ordinary problems and turn them into something beautiful with his love. And so uh, you might not believe that. You might not believe that God has a plan. You might not believe that there, there is a God. I don't know where you are in your personal discovering of God or, or, or whatever you want to call it. And I want to tell you this. I'm really glad you're here. It's, a, it's okay that you're on a journey. We're all on this journey God didn't send us all a personal email like, let me show you my YouTube channel so you can completely understand me. It it is a journey, and there is some digging that has to be done. And so maybe you're in a place where you just kind of dig. I'm glad you're here today. I really am. You're welcome to come back as often as you want to. I want you to be a part of our family because we're all in various places of understanding God. But I think that what I'm going to say today will be very relevant to you as well. And so no one's left out ever here. We want to make sure that people are, are on board. I think that sharing this message that God has a plan and that God has as this 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 plan using Jesus to heal the hurting and heal the pain and, and mend the families and, 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 and eradicate the addiction and free the slavery, whatever we're being enslaved by in our life. I believe he's got a plan and I believe he wants to use ordinary people like you and me. And I think understanding this concept of three primary colors is going to be crucial for us over the next three weeks as we decide how to move forward. And so here's what I want to do. Much like there are three primary colors in painting that used together will produce something beautiful. I think there are three primary components to sharing God's love. Three, and you might want to call them the primary colors of love or God's primary colors of love, a.k.a. whatever you want to call it. But three primary colors. Uh, there are so many shades and hues and different ways to share God's love. And just like the three colors, you can blend a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that. And I think as we take our own personalities and apply these three components, it's going to look different because I also believe that sharing God's love is an art. It's something that's not going to be done the same by each one of us. It's something that's going to produce slightly different variations of the love art at the end. But in the end, people's lives are changed. And so each week over the, last, over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at one of three primary components of sharing God's love. And this week we want to get into the first one, okay? The first one, the first one, the first primary component of sharing God's love is Character. If you want to know the other two, got to come back in the next two weeks. But the first one is character. I think this first primary color of love, uh, sharing God's love, is character. Uh, character is defined as, let me just read this it's straight out of the dictionary from the internet. Here's character, definition. The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. That makes sense? The mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Character is who you are. It's your mojo. It's how you do life. It's what, it's how you go about things. When people meet you, they meet your character. Character is the easiest thing to share with people because you do it without even trying. Like if you're a jerk, I just want to let you know, everybody knows it. Like that's just your character. That's how, that's who you are because that's how you operate. Character doesn't have to be uh, really worked on to be shared. It's just, it comes out of us because it's who we are. There's a great series of commercials on TV right now um, that Snickers does. Have you seen these where like a famous, uh, an actor, or actress or whatever will be in like a weird scenario. Like there's the one with Robin Williams. is a football coach. Uh, rest in peace, Robin Williams. And there's, he's another great artist. And, and then there's this one, one of my favorite. Uh, it was actually a 2010 Super Bowl ad. I looked it up. But it's where Betty White is playing football. I love it, man. She's like 200 years old, and she's out there, and the first scene you see is Betty White, the golden girl. She gets tackled in the mud. She comes back to the huddle, and some, some guy looks at Betty White and says, come on, Mike. You're killing us out there, man. And he just, she just like flips out on him, and then somebody goes, hey, Mike, 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 here. Have a Snickers, right? And then Betty White eats the Snickers, and she turns into some 20-year-old guy, and he's like, I'm good, I'm good. Your character is who you are when you need a Snickers. It's what It's who you are when your guard is down. It's who you are. When you think no one else is looking, maybe you haven't had enough sleep. It's what seeps out of you when you're not trying. It's your character. And I believe that it is a foundational level to sharing God's love. It's understanding your character and developing a character that resembles godly character. Does that make sense? First primary color of love, character. What is your character? You know, some of you have the ability to walk into a room and just lift the place. Your smile, your personality, everybody's like, "Hey, Bill's here."' And like, "Hey, Bill, Everybody hey Bill, slapping hands and high- fives and everything." And then like Donna walks in and you're like, "Oh, Donna's here. I don't think we actually have a Bill and Donna who fit those descriptions. If you do, it's your own fault. OK? <laughs> that was just random. But you know, that that character, you have the ability to impact uh, community, right? People People rely on you. Maybe you're the reliable type. Maybe you're super happy. Maybe you're super mopey. Maybe you're very trustworthy. Or maybe you're pretty flaky. Because your character is who you are. And you can't hide it. What does this have to do with sharing God's love? How in the world could our character impact sharing God's love? I I love to look at the Bible each week for the answers to some of life's most important questions. And there's a passage I want to explore today in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus talks about how our character, how your individual character can impact the world and it actually change people's lives and so we're going to be in matthew chapter 5 starting verse 13 one of my favorite passages of scripture i'm not positive but i'm pretty sure i've preached on it a couple times here in the last couple years um whether it was since we've launched or when we were doing house church but it really returns to some of the foundations of what kind of christianity is so matthew chapter 5 will be in the new testament of the bible which is that last third of the bible uh that talks about jesus and his life in the early church Uh, if you don't have a bible today we'll have all the verses on the screen but i want you to know there's we give away free bibles every week if you want a Bible. Please take one. There's some scattered along the seats and some in the back. Uh, grab one before you go. I want to make sure everybody has a good, readable Bible. But we're in the New Testament of the Bible, Matthew chapter 5, and we're in a section of Scripture where Jesus is doing this big teaching. He teaches about a whole lot of things. And so let's just kind of jump right in and see what Jesus has to say about character. Hello? Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Happens to me all the time. Don't worry about it. This is what Jesus says. He says, "'You are the salt of the earth.'" Hang on to that sentence. "'You are the salt of the earth.'" He describes it a little bit. He says, "'But if the salt loses its saltiness, "'how can it be made salty again? "'It's no longer good for anything "'except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot.'" Then he says another thing, verse 14. He says, "'Then you are the light of the world.'" "'A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. "'Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. "'Instead, they put it on a stand, "'and it gives light to everyone in the house.'" So in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Jesus talks uh, a lot in his teaching about how Christians should be different. In fact, in the whole passage leading up to chapter 5, verse 13, there's this big chunk of teaching, in it, and it just really outlines ways that if you're going to follow Jesus, you should be different. And there's this kind of sense in some of the teaching we find in the Bible that Christians might should kind of isolate themselves and get away from the rest of the world, kind of protect ourselves from the mean, big, bad wolf of the world. And, and that's true in some sense, but this is one of those passages that actually kind of flips that on his ear, and, and Jesus says, no, 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 I don't want you to be different so you can hide. I want you to be different so you can make a difference. This is one of those times where he says, take your difference and make the world a different place. And so what he does is he illustrates his point using two everyday household items. First he says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Salt and light. I've got a giant uh, container of Morton's coarse kosher salt. It's kosher, so... It's been blessed by our priest. And uh, it's true. Um, and, uh, and this is salt. And so most of us, when we see salt, uh, normally, first of all, do doesn't come in a giant box with a pour spout. You see this stuff? It's real salt. i make a mess. And um, when we see this stuff... Woo, you think of seasoning. You know you're gonna put it on your French fries. You're gonna put it on your your meat. Some people, I love it. Like you don't even taste your food. You're just like food, salt. <laughs> like you did not even taste it. You don't even know it needs salt. you like, I don't care. I know it needs salt because you love salt. But throughout the history of the world, salt has not been primarily used for seasoning. Maybe you know this. Salt before uh, it, it is before modern conveniences. Salt was a primary way of preserving food. I mean, if you take a perishable food item and you just coat it completely in salt, some com- Some cool scientific things happen. The moisture is drawn out of the cells of that food and it creates an environment that's impossible for mold and bacteria to grow. That's what it does. It dries it out completely. It also makes it taste really good. But in the process, it preserves the food. People use salt for preservations for thousands of years. The the Egyptians used salt to preserve bodies and mummification. Salt was used in all kinds of ways and medicinal purposes because of the properties it used to preserve And so salt, when Jesus talks about it, is not the little table table salt shaker on your table. He's talking about a preservative. A preservative. Remember, we're talking about character today. And what Jesus is saying here, you are the salt of the earth. If you're living with a proper character, you can serve as a preservative to the world. See, the world is full of decay and rot Environments where death, mold, and bacteria can grow, have you experienced some of this in your life I and mean, watch the news right? Check out some of your family right It might be, it might be something that, that you 've caused it might be addiction in your life. These are areas of rot and decay. Did you know that with godly character, you can be a preservative to the world? You can create an environment that makes it difficult, if not impossible. For these things to come in and eat away and destroy. The decay and the rot can't happen. Why? Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. What Jesus does for us is he gives us a chance to be purified so that we can make a difference. I love this second uh, half of the verse. Uh, this is the, uh, If you could throw that verse back up there, Patrick. It says this, but if salt loses its saltiness. Me go back to the one before that. There we go. Uh, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. This is what this is saying. For salt to be extremely effective, it needs to be good salt. It needs to be pure salt. I don't know about you, but I've had my fair share of rot and decay in my life. So for me to think I could go, I can make a difference in the world. Hey, guess what? I showed you to God. And they'd be like, you going to show me to God? Hey, yeah, dude, you're a hypocrite and a chump. Like, I'm not going to follow you. This is what Jesus says. He says, listen, I can purify you. I can make it so that your presence is usable. That's right. You do have bad things in your life. You do have rot and decay in your life. I can fix that for you so that you can then go and make a difference. You can be a preservative to the world. You're the salt of the earth. I can make you usable. For example, this week I got to sit down with a friend who's dealing with some serious addiction. And and as I sat with him, I was heartbroken. just listened to his story and how it's affected every little aspect of his life. And you know it's crazy? In the hour or so that we talked, I was able to really help him. Because as I talked to him, I got to talk to him about things in my life, addiction that I've, that I've worked through and overcome and, and, and still battle, and the things that I've been able to, um, you know, j- just what God's done in my life. You know what happened in that moment? Two things. In fact, if, if you write stuff down, this, this might be two things you can write down. In that moment, I was able to share with my friend direction and hope. Because in the moment, I didn't say, hey, look look at me, 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 follow me. Now, what I did was say, look what God did for me. I gave him direction. I gave him a place to look other than his pain, other than his addiction, other than his struggle. He got direction. And the other thing he got was this, hope. Hope is the thing that keeps you alive when you're ready to give up. Hope is the thing that keeps you pressing on when you don't know what else to do. And he got to look in. To the life of me, a broken man who got us redeemed, and say, oh, there's hope. When you're the salt of the earth, you can create a preservative environment that shows people direction and hope. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. He uses two household items, salt, and the second one, light. Now this is, a, I got like a five pack of these for Christmas, it's a bright in your eyes, uh, light. There's a little flashlight. Um, funny story. I, I walked into my daughter's room last night after she was supposed to be in bed. And she was uh, had this light. And she was sitting in her bed with the sheets up. And she was reading a book with a light. And she was supposed to be asleep. it was really cool because she was reading uh, a book about monsters. <laughs> I'm like, this seems counterproductive. What are you doing? What are you, what are you doing, honey? I read a book about monsters. I'm like, shit, this is a bad idea. But anyway, um, explains why she woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning crying. Um Light is good. Light is good because when you, when you can't see light, you know, the world is a dark place too. It's a synonym for rot and, and decay, right? It's, it's dark. Darkness is in every corner. I, I think about the darkness that exists just in our city, man. I, I think about Nourish and See. I was talking to James this morning about something he heard in the, on the radio coming in today. And, um, you know, Nourish and See feeds hundreds of hungry kids, uh, every, every, every month through the public school system. And he said there's a statistic that they shared on the radio this morning that some estimates and some uh, s- statistic counting and calibration that understanding third graders' attention span and test scores and how they're performing in school, that when you look at third graders, did you know that some of our government agencies use that information to plan for future prisons? Does that, does that make sense? What it shows you is that when there's darkness in people's life, even if it's just hunger, the the statistics that this lady was sharing from Nourish and See was that just by feeding kids, it makes them better able to pay attention in school, which makes them more capable of making better grades, which makes them more likely to succeed in school and feel good about themselves and have good self-esteem, which leads them to make better decisions, which makes them good citizens, which keeps them out of jail, right? Darkness is a vicious cycle. And right here, right in this neighborhood, I guarantee it, There's darkness in families. There's there's brokenness. There's people hiding addictions that are killing them. We have neighborhoods in our city that every day, gang violence and murder and rape and teen pregnancy are real issues. It's not just something you see on the news in the big, big cities. It's happening right here. It's darkness. You know, one thing darkness does is it breeds more darkness. Like you might have grown up in darkness yourself on some level and you didn't have anything to do with it. Like you didn't cause it in your life. But as a result of all the darkness that was in your life, it's led you to make dark decisions, hasn't it? And you know what eradicates darkness? Light. It's really cool because Jesus says you are the light of the world. But you know why that's cool? I want to read you another verse that Jesus, he says this in John chapter 8 verse 12. He says, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It's really cool because he's Jesus. He's God in the flesh. He says, I am the light of the world. But then over here in Matthew 5, what does he say? You are the light of the world. It's not my light. I have had my fair share of darkness and dark decisions and shadows in my life. And Jesus says, you know what? First... I'm going to shine the light in your life. Second, I'm going to let you reflect my light. Let's look at this this verse here. Matthew 5, starting at verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. It makes sense. It's on a hill. It's up there. Where's the city? It's up there. You can't miss it. It's a city on a hill. He says a a town on a hill can't be hidden. And so neither do people put a lamp, a light lamp, and put it under a bowl. Instead... They put it on a stand. Why? Because like the city on a hill, the light on a stand gives light to everyone in the house. we got lights in here. They're up on stands. It wouldn't do any good to put them under your seats. It would be like a crazy shadow puppet show. Like, but with the lights on the stands, everyone can get benefit from them. Exposing darkness by making your light easy to find is how you eradicate darkness. My my wife has been reading uh, Little House on the Prairie books to our kids. It's actually the second time through because she read them with my son, and now my daughter's coming up and reading them. And uh, I love Little House on the Prairie. You remember the show, maybe Laura Ingalls Wilder? What's she? Half Pint is that her nickname? Pa and Ma and um, There's a book from the series called By the Banks of Plum Creek. And There's this moment where the dad leaves uh, the cabin and he's going to go into town to do whatever Pa does to go get some I don't know vittles. And so he's going into town, but while he's out, this flash blizzard happens. And he gets stuck in a blizzard and he, and, he, and he gets disoriented and he can't really get his bearings because you can't see the sun, you can't see the stars. He's out there for a long time. I think it's a couple days maybe, am I right? It's a long time. And he's out there and he, and he, he cannot find his house. Well, Ma, his wife, is brilliant. She's brilliant in so many ways. But what she does, she realizes her husband is out in the blizzard. He takes a lamp, she lights it, and she puts it in the window of the house. Dad's walking, he's feeling hopeless, he's feeling aimless, he's feeling like, I am going to die in this blizzard. Until a moment, this is apparently a true story, when he looks up and he sees a little flicker of light through the haze of the snow. In that moment, do you know what he gets? Direction and hope. There it is. There's home. and I'm not going to die. I'm going to keep walking Jesus is the light of the world, but you can shine that light. It's the art of love. It's the character that people see in us. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's the last part of that verse. When we live with godly character, when we shine his light, It's kind of like how the moon shines. You ever thought about the science of the moon? The moon doesn't shine by itself. It's really just a rock. Big old giant rock in outer space, going around the earth. It doesn't shine by itself. How does it glow? The sun, the sun is the real light of our solar system. And as it shines through the the universe or through the planets and in our direction, the moon catches the reflection of the sun, and that's what we see at night. It's not the moon shining, but The light at night is extremely helpful for finding direction and hope. Use the metaphor. What Jesus says is, listen, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me can shine my light. You are the light of the world. And when people see the way you're living, they can find direction. And they can find hope. You know, God has always been into using people. To do his work, I don't know why. Sometimes people, God's so big and powerful. Why don't he just do everything by himself? I think it's partially because he's like, well, I want to see what decisions you're going to make. <laughs> I want to see if you're going to really love me or if you're going to, you know, make your own decisions and be selfish. I don't, I don't know. But one thing he's always been really into is letting people. Do good things in the world. And so there's this moment in the Bible, in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. We're going to celebrate that in a few weeks at, at Easter. He's died on the cross. And then we're, what we're celebrating is that he rose from the dead, did things that no one else has ever done before. Uh, very well documented and something that can be really easily talked about. And, man, it gives a lot of faith to understand somebody actually rose from the dead. What? People really believe that? I do. I do. I'm smart too. Challenge me. Um, I, I like, I like trivia and I like things and I will challenge you and I will make you, I will make you explain to me. And as I look at some of the evidence people propose for Jesus risen from the dead, I mean, it wasn't there. I don't have the YouTube videos to prove it, but it's a very reliable faith building thing to think, wow, people actually did see Jesus. People did give their life to say, yeah, I saw him. I would rather die than say he didn't raise from the dead. This, these are true facts about what happened with Jesus. So he rose from the dead. But then, right before he leaves uh, to, to, to go back into heaven, and, and he, he's talking to his disciples, he's, he's appeared to over 500 of them by now. And right before he ascends back into heaven, he has one last thing on his mind that he wants to tell people about. It's actually this it's the art of love, it's sharing the love of God. And this is what he says in Matthew 28 18 through 20. It says, Jesus then came to them, and he said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. First of all, if anyone says that, you should listen to them. <laughs> All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you, always, to the very end of the age. That last part's helpful. Surely I am with you. Why? Because I've got rot and decay in my life. I've had dark moments in my life. So if I'm going to be salt and I'm going to be light, I'm going to need him with me. To the end of the age. But this is what's awesome. Do you see that? He says, therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples. Disciples might not be a word you use a lot. uh, But the word disciple, it means a student or a follower of Jesus. Actually, I would say and. A student and a follower of Jesus. Someone who is learning what it means to live the life Jesus talks about. And is saying, I want to live like that. I want to follow him. I will go. I will go. I will go. Lord, send me that song we sang. That's what that's about. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a follower. I want to be a learner about you. And these are Jesus' last words before he goes back to heaven to prepare a place for us. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. Look, I don't know about you, but when I think about this, even to this day, I've played a role in helping people find Jesus a couple different times. And it's it's fun. It's awesome. But it still kind of scares me every time. Because I'm like, man, what, what if I don't have the answer to their question? What if... I was joking earlier when I said I'm smart, because a lot of times I feel really dumb. I feel like I, I, don't, I don't live their life. I don't know what they're going through. How can I presume to step into their life and act like I know all the answers? Maybe you can relate with what I'm saying there. Like, I want to talk to my friend about Jesus, but come on. Like, they seem happy enough. They've got their thing. They're doing their thing. Why would I intrude on it? In fact, it's, it's kind of taboo in our culture to step... That's like... You do what you do. I'm not going to tell you what's right and wrong. My right is my right. Your right is your right. And at the end of the day, the Cowboys are the best football team in the NFL. (laughs) Right? That's how we do life. But what Jesus says is, therefore, go. Go and make disciples. And so what do you do with that? What does that even mean? More importantly, where do I start? Where do I begin? How do I get going with this telling people about Jesus thing? I don't know, maybe it freaks you out to share your faith with somebody. Maybe uh, maybe when you talk about f- sharing your faith, you envision like, okay, so I've got to get on a three-piece suit and one of those little derby hats or like a really long dress and I've got to go door-to-door to my neighborhood and hand out Bibles. Like that's how I'm going to do it because maybe that's what you've experienced. Maybe, maybe that's what you envision when you think about sharing Jesus with somebody. Like what does that mean? How do I do that? But the art of love, it starts right here. It starts with me starts with me going, what do I believe? What do I stand for? What is the character that I present to the world? Despite my, despite my flaws, despite my rot and, and my decay and my darkness, have I begun to reflect the light that God is allowing me to reflect? Or am I more happy reflecting the, the negative parts of my life? What am, I, what am I showing the world with my actions? What is my character? You are salt. You are light. Helping people find direction. Helping people find hope. Simply by how you live. Uh, Francis of Assisi lived hundreds of years ago. And uh, he was a teacher, a Christian teacher. And he said this famously. He said, make sure I get it right. He said, preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. Catch that? Preach the gospel at all times. But when necessary... Use words. Now, I'm not going to challenge the, great, challenge the great Francis of Assisi. I would say it is absolutely necessary to use words at some point. But I get his point. What he's saying is, listen, when Jesus comes into your life, let him change you. Let him remake you. We talked about it last week, being remade, getting a new box if you were here last week. God can change you. He can give you a whole new chance, a whole new re- restart, a fresh start. When Jesus comes in, let him change you. And as he does, people will see that you're different. And that will make a difference. Let your light shine before men, shine before others, so they'll see your good deeds and they'll give glory to God in heaven. So if the first primary color of love, the first primary component of sharing God's love is character. How do I use this in a practical way? I don't want to say all this and, and everybody goes out to their car like, sweet, that was interesting. Shine light, salt, light. I could do that. How do you really actually do that in your life? I want to first want to tell you this. Easter Sunday is coming. It's a few weeks away. It is the single most likely day someone will come to church who doesn't otherwise come to church. And we've talked a few weeks about the mug your neighbor challenge. Like a lot of you, we had 165 people sign up for these uh, Venture Church coffee mugs. It's 165 coffee cups signed up for uh, that some of you have like specific friends. You're like, you know, I want to invite my friend to church, but here's a creative way. Let me give them this free coffee mug. Hey, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. By the way, here's a coffee mug. I don't know if you think that's awkward or not. I hope it's something that's helpful for you. Just something, just a conversation starter. But the question is, how do we practically apply this in our everyday life? Doing more than just inviting our friends to church, but actually being in their life as salt and light, so that when they're crying at the end of a hard day, or when they're at work and they're dealing with something crazy, or when you get that call or that text message from your your girlfriend or your guy friend, and they're just like, "Listen, I just need, I need to talk." How do you make this practical? I've got I've got two steps. They're not like they're not Bible steps. They're not like they're not in the Bible. But as I read through what the Bible says, I think these two steps will be very helpful to everyone in the room. Okay, and so they kind of work like this. The first step is this. How do we make this practical? The first step is realize that only God can purify your character. A lot of times we get stuck in the mindset of like, man, I just got to improve. I got to do better. I got to do better. Oh, I got this habit. I got this sin. I got this addiction. I got this personality trait. I got this whatever. And we work on it and we work on it and we work on it. We go to counseling and we've got accountability and we've got friends telling us. And, and that's all good stuff. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that stuff. But we've got to realize that only God can purify your character. Why? I got death and decay and darkness in my past. And it's still there by my own power. But God says, I can deal with that. That's what Jesus is about. That's what Jesus does for you. He can purify your character. If you've flown in an airplane, uh, maybe you've, you've had this uh, thing that the lady or the guy gets up and, and he's like, the exits are here, 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 and here. And then they, she shows you how to use a seatbelt because you've never ridden in a car before. And then um, after that, she's like, in the event of an emergency... Air mask, oxygen mask is gonna come from the ceiling. Before you help anybody else, first, secure the mask to your own face. And then help other people. Why? Because everybody needs oxygen at that point. And if you wanna help anybody, you gotta start by helping yourself. How can we let our character share God's love? We gotta start by helping ourselves. We gotta start by going to God and say, God, you're the only one who can purify my character. If you're someone who's already decided to follow Jesus with your life and he's done that if if you've been baptized and had your sins forgiven Had his holy spirit come and be part of your life. You've done that. That's part of that Now there's still the everyday like yes You do need to have friends call you out when you're being a jerk and you do need to have accountability And you do need to work on you from the inside. Maybe you do need some counseling But it begins with jesus Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I don't I don't know I don't know. I don't know where to go (laughs) With my life Think about this Only god can purify your character Maybe no one understood this better than a guy named King David. When you look in the Old Testament of the Bible, David David becomes one of the most honored men of all of history, specifically in biblical times uh, in the Old Testament. He's had a really bad go of things. He's committed some pretty bad sin, and he writes down this prayer. It's in Psalm chapter 51. It's in your Bible, but I'll have it on the screen. I'm only going to share three verses. It's a pretty long prayer, uh, and this is, this is what he says in his prayer. He says, have mercy on me, God according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Fast forward to verse 10. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Except one is realizing that only God can purify your character. And so maybe you're in a position right now where you just need to stop Take a step back and say, have mercy on me, oh God. Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. A steadfast spirit is the idea like, help me stick with this. <laughs> steadfast uh, is perseverance. Help me do this. This is King David who has this huge rise to power and has a dramatic fall." who made some huge mistakes that could have ruined his life. But then he turns back to God and he said, God, my character is defined by you, not by me. Create a pure heart within me. Maybe you're in a place right now where you're considering becoming a Christian. You know what? A great place to start is this prayer. <laughs> have mercy on me, O oh God. Your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We're celebrating this afternoon at 1.30, on a baptism this afternoon. Someone said, I want to do that. I want to be cleansed and purified by God. Kayleen uh, is a new, a new friend of mine. We've been friends for several months now. But man, we got to meet this week and just talk about what's happening. And I want you to know at 1.30, we're going to go over to Crosswinds Apartments to their pool. And she's going to say, this is it for me. Clean heart. New start. We're doing this today. But she doesn't have to be the only one. First, come join us. It's going to be fun. The people at the apartment complex are going to be like, do you need a lease on a home? What's happening? Why is all these people here? Uh, we did get permission. But maybe you're someone who's like, you know, I, I just need to do this. I need to give my life over to Jesus. Come on, we're doing a baptism at 1.30 and you can, be, you can be right in there with it. We would love you to be there. If you want to know more about that, come talk to me. Creating me a clean heart. It's about realizing that only God can purify your heart. Is the second thing. Once, once, you, once God comes in, there's a second step. The first one is realizing that only God can purify your character. And the second thing is this. Shine the light of Jesus in everything that you do. Shine the light of Jesus in everything you do. I'm almost done. This is it right here. Shine the light of Jesus in everything you do. You look at this sentence and it might seem overly simplistic. You're like oh, That sounds pretty christian Yeah, all right. I'd expect that some dude on Sunday morning to preach that from a stage in a church. Yeah, shine the light of Jesus. I spent a whole, almost 40 minutes talking about it last week. Remember that? Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's what that verse is all about right? Colossians 3.17 or 3.18, one of those. And this is what this is all about. Shine the light of Jesus in everything that you do, whatever you do. But it's the essence of what we're talking about today. Character. Shine the light of Jesus in everything you do. People are looking for a beacon of hope. They really are. I really believe that's why people will turn to anything. That's why people will look to, to Dr. Phil or Dr. Oz or Dr. Ruth to solve all their problems. Whatever I can get out of life, I'm just going to figure this out. I'm going to follow it around. They're going to turn. They're going to turn to some sort of chemical thing. They're going to turn to some sort of support group. They're going to start. They're going to join the YMCA. They're going to get a hobby. They're going to start jogging or doing yoga. Why? Because they're just looking for something to pull them out of whatever it is, is they're in. And Jesus said, "You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth." They're looking for a beacon of hope, and you can be that beacon. Beep, beep, beep. I was in a store one time. And I saw this lady, she dropped some money on the ground. You might have been here too, you know. You saw she dropped, it was like 20 bucks. I was like, oh, 20 bucks. Now, there's the moment where you're like, this 20 bucks will buy me lunch. But I'm not that guy, I mean, I'm not a thief. So I'm like, yeah, I found this lady. Well, I look up and she's gone. So I'm like, oh man, she's gone. So I'm looking around and walking around. Oh, like, how long do you look before it's your money, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, I can find this lady. Well, I find her. I give her the money. And she says this thing. It's pretty cool what she said. She says, thank you so much for doing that. You know, a lot of people would have just kept that money. But it gives me hope for the world to know that there are good people who do the right thing. Now, look, I know I'm not a saint. And I know that many of you would have done the exact same thing. That, that's just a good deed. It should just be done. But what she said was powerful. It gives me hope It gives me hope to see someone do a good thing. You can be a beacon of hope, guys, to your friends, to your family, to your neighbors, just by showing the character that God can put in your life. We live in a world full of rot and decay and darkness, and the world needs salt, and the world needs light. What will it take to develop a character? that will give people direction and give people hope. It begins with developing a personal character that reflects that of God. Let your light shine before men so that they see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. This is the first component of sharing God's love. And I hope that you'll come back for two more weeks to see the other two because when you paint with one color, you get the picture. But if you start using all three, man, it's beautiful what you can see. Let's pray. God, we love you. And I praise you for giving us the opportunity to share your love, uh, whether it be uh, through a simple act of kindness, uh, um, whether it be sitting down and just being honest with somebody about the, the rot and decay in our own life, what, whether it's the direct moments of, of, of just saying hard things and helping people see rich truths. I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this church family who uh, I, I just, I've seen so many lives changed through your light uh, that it gives me hope and it gives me direction because it reminds me, as this works, My faith is not a dead faith, but a really living one, and you really do answer prayers. And so for for this room here today, this group of people, Lord, I pray that you can help us to find your light and to shine your light. We love you so much. i pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.